Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Dark Art Society podcast. I am your host, Chet Zar. Uh, right now it is 11, 11 p.m. on a Sunday night, and I haven't even started painting for the day. I am down to the wire. My last two weeks, before I have to ship all my stuff out to Art Gallery in Australia... Speaking of Bain Art Gallery, that's who the guest is, John Bainart. Bainart, we had a discussion about how to pronounce his name, and now I can't remember if I'm pronouncing it right or not. I thought, it, I thought he said Bainart, Bainart. Anyway, John Bainart is the guest today, and he is an artist, and he owns the Ben Art Gallery, and he started off with the Ben Art, Ben Art, oh God, Surreal Collective, Ben Ben Art, God, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right now, sorry John, anyway, he started out with the, the International Surrealist Collective, and we'll get into all that stuff, he's also the creator of the toddler peed. Anyway, we get into all that stuff. I'm a little bit scattered. You have to excuse me. I'm barely holding it together. I can't believe I've been able to get these podcasts done every week. I've got so much going on. I have to get this show painted. It's the it's nightmare time, the two weeks before the show or before shipping. Actually, I got two weeks to paint. Let me look at the calendar here so I could freak myself out. I've got, I believe I have two, okay, one, two, yeah, two weeks to paint, and then the last week is for photographs, varnishing, and shipping, boxing up, which isn't enough time to do all that. I have to have it out by the 28th, and the show is July 13th. All this time I thought it was in August for some reason. I kept saying it was in August. What's wrong with me? Anyway, that's what's going on with me. Um, oh, I got uh, my that camera from the wonderful patron from my Patreon. And I really want to start using it, but I don't have time to figure it out yet. I've been messing around a little bit with it, and it's really great. And the streams are going to be so good, and the time lapses are going to be so good. <clears throat> it's going to really make things so much easier, so... I am really excited about that. I had to get a little bit more equipment. I didn't realize like uh, a little capture card and some cords and but I think I I think I have everything to do it now. So that's exciting. After I'm done with this show, I'm going to get I'm going to be all about um streaming and learning this new camera and time lapsing on my uh, Patreon. So that's kind of fun. And I got to get back to Dystopia book and I got to get back to all the commissions I got to do. Woo! Uh, this year is going to be killer, but I think this year I'm going to be able to get everything together. Get everything done. That's my plan anyway. Anyway, how are you? Thank you for joining us. Um, today, oh, today also, no, yesterday, last night was the Seven Sins show curated by Chris Velasco. I had a piece in that. Each artist painted uh, one of the seven deadly sins 
I got Pride, so I did a piece called Pride and Ego. It came up pretty good. People seem to like it. <clears throat> it's an amazing show. It was very uh, crowded, and everybody seemed to dig the work. There was not a weak piece in the show. Every every piece was strong. So it was a uh, it was an excellent show, and and fun to see everybody. I don't get out to shows as much as I used to because I'm so busy. So it's nice to see everybody. Uh, then today was Chris Velasco's barbecue. Usually when he creates a show, he has a barbecue for the artists the next day at his house and everyone gets to drool over his art collection and hang out and talk and play his, with his virtual reality system. So it's, it was, it was fun. So I took Christopher Ulrich there today because Christopher was in the show. He did this amazing piece for the show that's a giant, what, 60-inch by whatever. It was huge, like bigger than a door. And it was two-sided, freestanding, <clears throat> in a frame. And shit, I just realized I did a, a walkthrough of the show, and I don't think I showed Christopher's painting because it was in the center of the room. Oh, I can't believe I did that. Sorry, Christopher. I'm not right lately. Like I said, I'm just too stretched too thin. I was about to have a nervous breakdown tonight, but I got it all under control now. Okay, so anyway, yeah, the barbecue was great. Dos Diablos and his girlfriend, Karina. We're there. It's great to see them. And they have a couple of friends that, that uh, they stay with that come to the show, uh, come to the barbecues. Really great people. Lots of cool people at the barbecue. Jeremy Cross was there and Jeremy Schott from Dark Art Emporium. Patrick Ty, Vega, uh, Stephanie Nagaki, who's going to be a guest on the show soon. I'm trying to arrange that right now. She's great. Um, Vera Mar, who also needs to be on the show i've got the list is endless of people that that i want for this show um so there's i i can go on for years with this thing there's so many great artists out there uh let's see who else um christopher ulrich gary and erica for from copro anyway it was a great time i did a walk through of Chris Velasco's art collection, which is completely mind blowing. He's got Bekshinsky's, he's got Giger's, he's got Dan Quintana's, he's got me, he's got Darius Sawatsky, he's got Clive Barker, he's got Victor Safonkin, he's got everybody. It's amazing. So I'll post a link in the description. It's just on my public my or my personal Facebook page. I, I believe it's public, so anyone can go watch it. So I'll put a link in the description. Okay, so that's that. Let's get the, to new subscribers because we have a bunch of new subscribers. Thank you very much. If you want to subscribe, you can just go to patreon.com slash darkartsociety and you could, you could join for just a dollar a month. And that's huge. You can join for more if you want as well. So this is how the podcast is being supported. So thank you for doing that. It's really cool. I know it's weird going to a new platform and paying for putting 
you know, PayPal or credit card info, but it's really easy to do. The platform is very easy to, it's not complicated. It's easy to put your info in. It's easy to um, cancel or pause your membership. It is the future. And, and for, for independent artists, podcasts, people, cr creators of all kinds, anybody that's not doing Patreon that has some, some kind of following, I, you should be doing Patreon, but I have a Patreon as well, which is patreon.com slash Chetzar. And things are about to get crazy on there. I'm going to be posting a lot of really cool stuff. I just, I keep trying to add more and more to it. Anyway, that's my pitch. I got to do it. I got to do it. Uh, let's see here. So new subscribers to the Dark Art Society Patreon. I think I named Jeremy De La Rosa last, last time. I kind of remember that. I'm going to start there, even if I, I, I might have read these last week. Jeremy De La Rosa, Vincent Castiglia, who was just on the podcast. Jason Cohen is a great supporter of Dark Art. Jason Kimball. Lelia Watez. I think that's how you pronounce it. Thank you, Tadamir, a pal in the dark art scene. He goes to all the shows and a cool artist. Uh, Joshua Osberg and Amelia Hofsteed. Thank you so much. So, so much. Really appreciate it. You're making it happen. Things are happening and you're helping to make things happen. So let's see, uh, five questions. Let's get to this. <laughs> I've got some of the questions up. Uh, let's see. here. Lots of cool stuff happening with the, uh, the website progress is being made on the website. It's going to be crazy. If, if we can pull this off, it's going to be really, really cool. Uh, okay. Let me just, let me just grab a couple questions for the five questions. Here's a good, simple one. Laura Rathbone. What is number five? If you want the full story, check out my documentary. I like to paint monsters. Jets are, I like to paint monsters. The documentary that Mike Carell made about me, and it gives a more detailed explanation. But the quick version is, the super quick version is, I just say it's my lucky number. And then the not so quick version is, well, I guess a little more in depth, I would say it's my spiritual number, a spiritual representation of myself. And, but it's kind of a long story. It kind of goes back to this whole, that weird spiritual awakening I had in 1987 where we were doing a Ouija board and it kind of gave me that number to refer to me. And there's a reason for that. But, uh, I put it in the artwork because to now to just as a signature kind of thing. And also to remember that time in my life and remember the things I learned and remember to basically try and be good and do good. Not, not to forget that. 
So it's a reminder to myself to be good. Okay. Let's see. Otis Fraz, have you seen Hardware? I'm assuming you're talking about the movie. I did see Hardware. It's pretty cool. I didn't see it when it came out. I understand why it has a cult following, though. But uh, and and I definitely feel a kinship to the art direction. There's a great movie about the director. Who his when Island of Lost Island of Lost Souls. I forget the name of the documentary, but it's a great documentary about how the same director tried to direct Island of Lost Souls or the Island of Doctor Moreau. I'm not sure because it's it was. It's 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 been produced under a couple different names, um, but yeah, what an insane story, what an insane documentary. But hardware, yes, I thought it was cool. I wasn't like completely blown away by it because I didn't. I don't think I saw it during my formative years. I saw it recently after watching that documentary, actually. But man, the the uh, the costumes and stuff, all the that gas masks, and it was it was pretty amazing. So I did love that. Uh, Jessica Parr, do you ever just do fantasy landscapes? I love the monsters, but sometimes the background is what is moving. So mysterious and dreamy. Well, thank you. I have not done many landscapes. I've done a couple for the book, for the dystopia book. But I'm kind of scared of doing landscapes. I just, I feel, I feel really confident in creating characters, but I don't feel super confident in creating a landscape that is interesting enough to want to look at. But the ones that, I mean, I've done studies, I haven't actually finished them. That's, those are some of the paintings I have to finish for the dystopia book, is the landscape paintings. Uh, so maybe I'll get over my fear and do more of them. I just... I, I to me the the characters are, are primary with my artwork. That's what really turns me on. That's what gets me excited is to create a new character. So the landscapes for me personally have always been kind of you know secondary to the character. I'm all about the characters. That's what's that's what I'm in it for. So I don't get really excited about the landscapes, but I've had a lot of people ask me about that. So I should probably do it especially because it, it makes me nervous and I don't feel super confident. So that's probably the best reason to do it. Okay. That was one, two, three. Alex Silverson. Do you think your artwork exists in a parallel universe? I, the, the parallel universe of my mind, I suppose, you know, that gets into all kinds of, weird ideas and you start thinking well what is reality are thoughts reality are they another form of reality are dreams another form of reality because you experience them so just because things are physical is that the only reason is that is that the only reason why something is real or not i don't know mike always thought they existed in a parallel universe and i kind of didn't really think that i always they feel like they come they feel like they come from me sort of or through me. It's a weird thing. I don't know, but I don't think there's like another physical dimension 
of my paintings. But hey, you never know. It's possible. On some level, I think that the imaginary realm is is real in a sense. If you can imagine it, it has a certain reality to it. Not that things are like they are in this reality, but it does exist in a sense. I don't know. It's crazy stuff. I'm too tired to, to, to get too far into it. I'm just going to ramble. So that's four. Okay, let's see. Let me get a, try and get a good one here. Okay, Bianca Mayfield. When referring to learning the old ways of visual techniques, what specifically do you think is most valuable? Hmm. Hmm. Everything. I, I'm assuming you're talking about the old masters. The thing about studying the old masters, I think we talk about this in the podcast, maybe with John Benart. Benart. Uh, I, I. Well, even if we didn't, everything about the old masters' paintings are done right. Yeah, we do talk about it. I do mention it in the in the interview. So I, it's it's really everything about the old masters. I always say we can't do better than the old masters. The best paintings have already been done as good as you can possibly do them by the old masters. And then all, all we can do is create something in, in our own unique voice and try and paint, try and reach the levels of the old masters, which we probably won't, but it's something to strive for. And then putting your own personal spin and your own vision is, is kind of the most important part of it. I can't think of any specific technique, honestly, because they did everything perfect. The best of the old masters are just perfect. So I think that I'm just trying to answer this question properly. I, I want to understand it. I think, you know, okay, I can answer this question better than that. I think specifically what is the most valuable is to have a baseline to measure from with the old masters. You can, you can say, this is the pinnacle. This is what I should be striving for. This is a tried and true great painting. So, you know, without a reference point, you don't really know what good is, you know? what a good painting is. If you don't know what good paintings look like, you wouldn't know how to paint a good painting. So as a, as a, uh, something to, to try and reach to and something for, for, uh, reference as to what, what great technique is, that's the value there. Okay. I'm sorry if I'm selling like an idiot tonight, today, whatever. I'm just I, I, it's already 11.30 and I haven't started my painting for, for today because I had to go to that barbecue. Uh, and I'm just thinking, man, I'm going to be up for a while. Anyway, the, the interview with John I thought was really great. It was good catching up with him. He published, the, his company published my art book, Black Magic, The Art of Chet Czar. And I've been friends with him for a long time. We go back quite a few years. So it was, and I, I hadn't talked to him in about, 
three three and a half years or something. So it was really cool to catch up with him. And uh, <clears throat> I did, we didn't even talk much before the interview because I wanted to get it all all the catching up on uh, on the recording. So anyway, here we go. I hope you enjoy this podcast and with uh, interview with John Bainart. Bainart, we'll figure it out. All right, enjoy the interview. What's up, John? Hey, um, long yeah, long time no talk, man. Yeah, I know it's been ages. Years. I think we- you know, little conversation we didn't have before. It was, um, we <laughs> realized it was three and a half years almost. Yeah. 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 That was, uh, uh, yeah. You, you, um, curated a show at Copro and then you went back to Australia and started a gallery. Yeah. A Bain Art Gallery. I noticed you stopped spelling it with the, the, the large A. And you, now you have the capital B, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> were people getting now. Were people getting confused? <laughs> <laughs> I even um, got rid of the toddlerpede from the logo. So oh, really? Like, very fancy. There's no toddlerpedes wow. in the logo. Yeah, I, actually, I was, I, was think, I was thinking for the, the promo card for this show, we got to do the toddlerpede. I mean, that's like, that's your... I don't your, know. Your, but your icon. I've, I've shed the. I've shed the toddlerpede. I've grown up. <laughs> well, <laughs> toddlerpede is a part of the history now. But well, um, if uh, you really want a toddlerpede on there, it's okay. You can, you or, can put one in there somewhere. If you, yeah. <laughs> if you have something you'd rather have, that's cool too. But that's such a popular, striking image, and with the with the promo cards for Instagram and people look on their phones. You want a striking image that people know, is, sure. is you know. So it seemed kind of like smart marketing. But I think your your art is striking enough without a toddler pee. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't put you know, I don't put my art on your episode. It's your episode, so it has oh to, my episode, right? Oh, for promoting the for promoting the. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we could put a toddler pee there. Yeah, that I think that would be. It's iconic. You know, people will dig it. Anyway, so how have you been? You're doing. You look good. Um, yeah, I'm sort of, I'm, I've been well, I mean, you know, running a gallery is pretty intense oh, um, man. as I've heard you talk about <laughs> yeah. in earlier episodes. Yeah. Um, I, I, I couldn't do it. I don't think I, it's always nice to, you know, hear an artist who understands, you yeah. know, the, the other side of things and yeah. how flat out and, um, how much work there is involved in running a gallery. And, um, but you know, I'm, really passionate about it and I love it and um I wouldn't want to do anything else. You've been enjoying it? I I love it. I, oh. I feel like I'm living a dream. A Excellent. kind of a dream slash nightmare dream. <laughs> <laughs> All good dreams have a little bit of a nightmare in them. Yeah, there's, there's definitely <laughs> some darker tones in that dream. But um it's I mean, you know, uh you get burnt out every now and again, but um you've got to be passionate about it. Right. You've got to love it. yeah to to endure those bits. <laughs> right. Exactly. To get you through the hard times. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta have that passion. That's amazing. Yeah. Three and a half years. That's really, uh, incredible, mm. man. It's <clears throat> kind of the only, there's like one other gallery that I know of in Australia that kind of mm. shows. Utrecht is probably what you're thinking of. Utrecht? Yeah. 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 Are so they uh, specialize in, uh, probably, they're probably a little more like, um, pop, like they've got a lot of kind of, 
I guess, a lot of shag-like artists. Um, well, they've got shag. Oh. <laughs> um, and they've got um, – they probably don't venture into the dark themes right. much. Okay. They've got a few. So you're, um, so, so, so you're probably the only gallery of its kind in Australia, really. I think we probably are. Um, That's amazing because Australia is yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely galleries who, who show – you know, one or two artists who would probably fit right in with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not their, they, they don't specialize. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Well, so they're, uh, they're more galleries who show a lot of different kinds of art and right. they just happen to show a few, say, dark artists or a few pop surrealists or, or whatever. Yeah. All right. I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, okay. For so people, we're, we're quite specialized. Yeah. 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 Um, and you know you you for people who aren't aware i'm sure most people know but you started you're kind of famous for starting the bain art surreal collective online website back in god i mean i can't tell you how many people have tell me it was 2003 yeah 2003 so many people tell me um even now once in a while people will say yeah i first saw your stuff on bain art surreal uh, collective. Yeah. It happens all the time. It's like that, that website was, was so huge in yeah. um, establishing or helping to establish dark art for one, but also just kind of weird um, uh, figurative mm. art, you know? I, I think it was all, it was all, it was called the International Surreal Art Collective. And uh, I guess the thing that tied it all together was that they're all, all figurative artists who, painted drew or sculpted surreal themes right and my personal taste was always quite dark so a lot of those themes were very dark right Um, yeah but then it also had this kind of visionary art element which is kind of something that i've moved away from since then Mm. um not that i don't have you know um i guess as a gallerist I i still have you know um artists who who paint more ethereal kind of subject matter and, and more, I guess, whimsical subject matter. Mm. But um, I've, I've moved away from the more visionary, strictly visionary stuff. Okay. Yeah. yeah I forgot about that, that you had yeah. kind of a, kind of a visionary element on that website. It's been a long time. Yeah. Um, we moved away from the visionary. How? So, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so you started like in 2003, how did that come about? I mean, how did that whole thing, what was the idea behind it? I mean, <laughs> Because I don't, well, I, I I don't guess, even, I've never asked you this that I can remember. I guess I, I, I always describe this as like, it's kind of like it was just an accident, you know, like, um, and, and I guess the gallery was an accident too, in a sense, like, huh. um, none of this was planned. Like I, I just, I was an artist and I still am sometimes, yeah. um, when I find the time, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but, um, I just was building a website to, to promote my artwork and I had friends who were, you know, also made really, really weird stuff and um, they didn't have any web presence. It was kind of the very early days of MySpace, I guess. Right. I think Um, there was no Facebook and I, and there were no, well, there were a few websites that kind of had a few artists, you know, specialized in showing, uh, promoting this kind of scene, I guess. Right. Um, but I wasn't, I, w- I didn't set out to do that. I basically just had my website and I had guest galleries for my friends who were also making oh. similar kind of artwork. Wow. And, um, and it was all Australian. Like I'd sort of, I went, okay, this is, the, it was called the 
the Underground Australian Art Collective. Uh, it was called the Bain Art Underground Australian Art Collective. <laughs> okay. Uh, sorry, sorry, no. I'm going to go back a little bit. It wasn't right. called that. That was later. <laughs> it was basically John Bainart's website who, with some guest galleries. And then at some point I got hooked on sort of not just adding my friends as guest galleries who, who didn't have their own websites, but I also started seeking out Australian artists who were doing this kind of weird work and um, and asking if I could, you know, promote them on my website as a, you know, mm. as a guest, I guess. Right. And then one day I sort of flipped it around and decided, okay, this is no longer John Baynard's website with guest galleries. This is, um, this has become a full, fully fledged obsession. And uh, this is the Underground Australian Art Collective. And I'm just one of the artists. Wow. Uh, and it started there and I started curating these little shows and bars and other venues. And, oh, I didn't um, realize you were, you were doing shows that early on. Yeah. So I was just, it was, you know, I was curating and I, I even had, uh, I was a part of this sort of larger collective of people who put together these music events uh, called Angel Circus. And I I was the, the art curator and I put on these one night shows, mm. I guess kind of like an Australian version of Cannibal Flower or yeah, something. Yeah, you know? oh, cool. So we did that for about two years. Um, and then I, you know, it became a big popular thing. And there were, there were all these um, sort of, uh, I was interacting with all these international artists um, and people was, internationals were submitting their work to become a part of this thing. And I just thought, okay, I'm just going to change. I'm going to open the floodgates and call this the International Surreal Art Collective. Yeah, <laughs> that was a smart idea. And then I re rebranded it. Um, I, you know, at, at one stage, I think there were 600 artists featured yeah. on this. Um, and there was this same. massive forum. It was, you know, before social media sort of had fully taken over. So there was like a, a forum mm -hmm. where people interact and there was a lot of activity on there. Um, and it was a very popular website. Um, yeah, and, you were getting a lot of traffic. I remember talking to you about that. Yeah. Crazy on. amount of traffic. Yeah. And, uh, I guess, you know, to, to make it sort of financially viable, I, I, I started publishing books. Right. And where I put you in the first book, Metamorphosis One. Oh yeah, and, the uh, Metamorphosis books. Those are great. Yeah, and the books did well for a while, and um, and then the and uh, around that same time, I started curating shows at Copper Gallery. Mm. They invited me to to curate shows, and um, and I, know, I did a bunch of sort of group exhibitions, and that's where we spent some time together, you and I, and um, I got to meet all these people I'd been interacting with online. Mm. I'm trying to fast track this story because there's so much more to it. It's kind of just, <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. All these things happened, you know, life. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, where am I? You're at curating uh, shows and publishing books. Yeah, and then, uh, I don't know, this whole thing, you know, became quite, quite expensive, I guess, and um, and uh after the financial crisis the books stopped selling so well you know um mm. a lot of dis book distributors went out of business and uh uh you know i'd published a few books at that stage i published chris cooksey's book um laurie lipton's book i think i mean i published your book yeah 
probably quite a bit quite a bit after the global financial crisis right. but i mean the thing is that that it sort of had these effects on the the book publishing industry and and amazon of course becoming what it is today yeah um, right publishing books was no longer a viable way to make money well i'm glad or, that's the reason cuz i always felt like i was the nail in the in, in your book publishing coffin cuz that was the last no. book you guys published and i was like man i wonder if <laughs> people didn't like no. my book that book is amazing still i, I, I still look at I that book yeah, yeah yeah it's one of the coolest art books i've ever seen i think it's so good and uh even now i look back and I, it's like there's nothing i would change i'm just like i was so happy with that book and i you know i'm still selling them here and there and sell them at conventions yeah. a lot and stuff so but yeah i guess the whole market changed that's the main it was, problem it was just dying well before that um it's really hard to sell books yeah it really is unless you're like tashin or something you know right then it's right. Really easy to sell books yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't so, know. It's just um, it, it like when we first released Metamorphosis One, they were selling like hotcakes online. It was it was mm-hmm. it was like really exciting. But um, I don't think was, there was anything like that either at the time. I I can't think of any uh, a book of that kind of art with so many yeah. great artists in it. There was kind of the uh, what's that one? Uh, what's that series? Spectrum. There was the Spectrum books, mm-hmm. which is probably the closest that was thing. A little more fantasy and yeah. sci-fi. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. But um, there was definitely a yes, an overlap there. Right. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So basically, uh, yeah, we realized that. Well, I realized that I wasn't going to continue publishing books because it was too financially risky and it wasn't working anymore. Right. Um. So and that wouldn't sustain this. All of these things that I was doing, like you know, curating these shows hosting this website, high traffic website, um, and, uh, you know, the travel involved and everything involved, right. I guess, not to, not to mention, um, you know, making a living. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so I, I decided that the, this collective was going to be more of a kind of a, I guess, kind of a, a more of a, a hobby, a, a, you know, thing in the background and I'd maybe get a real job or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, but in order to do that, I would have to get some funding. So I launched a Kickstarter to basically continue what I was doing for the next oh, five years. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, it, I think the Kickstarter was like, save the, the Bain Art Collective. Right, kind of. right keep it going for another five years so I can curate this many shows, pay writers to interview um, artists, whatever I was doing, uh, you know, host the website, everything. Uh, and we asked for like, um, I don't know, 20 something thousand Australian dollars. And, that, uh, and because of the support of the artists that I'd built these ties with over the years and promoted, uh, I guess for free, um, they, they all, you know, like you guys all um, kind of, gave these incentives to um, people who, what do you call it, like you all sort of uh, donated rewards right. basically for this Kickstarter. Yep. And uh, that money, money came in overnight and we were like, okay, we need to announce some kind of stretch goal. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I don't know, I just thought maybe – it was Corinne's idea actually. Um, I was thinking let's publish a big book because my head was still in publishing. Uh-huh. Uh, She's like, oh, no, why don't we open a pop-up gallery? You know, it was going to be like a, oh, wow. a little a gallery for six months or whatever, right. maybe. And uh, 
and we, I think we called it a pop-up gallery. Like if, if we make this amount of money, um, it'll pay for our first year's rent or our, our a year's rent for this pop-up gallery or right. whatever it was. And, and, um, we didn't quite get to that goal, but we made enough to, to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so we opened a gallery and, uh, the first few months were really tight and, and scary. And, um, you know, it was like, if we didn't sell art then and there, we wouldn't have been able to continue th- this thing. Cause rent's yeah. one thing, but the other ex- expenses associated with, um, galleries were just ongoing and unexpected. And there's just so many of them. Um, yep. and, but we made that money and we kept selling art and, and I, I guess the reason that it was viable was because we built this fairly massive social media presence over, you know, a decade um, right. before this. It's like, you know, most galleries kind of build a, you know, you, you open a gallery and then it's like you, you have like a um, online marketing plan. We were an online marketing thing that opened a gallery, you know, right, I mean? like right. an audience. We had, I had a very large mailing list at that point. And I was hoping when we opened the gallery that there were a few buyers on that mailing list. And luckily there were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we've been, I've just, I guess I've just been um, growing this thing ever since. Yeah. That's amazing. Last, amazing. So it was an accident. Yeah. yeah that's great. That's, those <laughs> are the kind of a- accidents we want, the happy accidents. Yeah. Well, just, you uh, know, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I want to get into uh, you as an artist as well and your kind of history because I really don't know your life story. Um, you 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 kind of hit Ooh. you did hit kind of big with the toddler peed. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I I know you may be sick of hearing about the toddler peed, but it is pretty yeah. amazing. It's pretty I buried it's, the toddler peed. <laughs> I know, but it's amazing. It's oh, did you really? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but I mean, for for. Uh, yeah, people, people, you could look up the toddler peed, but it was like a centipede made of doll parts. It was really amazing. Yeah. And, um, that was like, that went kind of went viral in the, yeah. back in the day when, you know, viral being something being viral was kind of a new thing, really. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and, um, and it, yeah, but, but, I guess but that's true. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> uh, I want to know about, you know, when did you start creating art and your, your bat, your childhood, how, how did you, how did you get on this path? The art I think path. I wanted to be an artist since I was a small child, and I don't think that ever changed. Mm-hmm. Um, were you always drawing I, when you were little, and that was your yeah. thing? And I think I, I I relate to a lot of things that a lot of your you included, but and a lot of your guests talk about on this podcast. Like I was obsessed with horror movies. Mm. And, you know, I was also reading. Robert Crumb comics way before I should have been. No way. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like my dad had a stash and I was reading them and all these other underground comics. Like, so, um, so your dad had good, good taste then. Cause that's. Yeah. Of, and I had creepy and eerie comics. Oh, wow. As well. Um, when I was very young, yeah. so I was, I was obsessed with all this weird art shit, I guess. Um, yeah. and hot <laughs> shit. Uh, and, uh, yeah, drawing monsters as a as a small child, basically. Um, wow. And, and you know, I was into Escher and Salvador Dali, and me too. You know, all the usual suspects. Yeah. Um, uh, you don't hear Escher enough. Escher was huge yeah. for me. You know, MC yeah. Escher was like I don't mention him enough actually because um, that was. Yeah. I remember looking at that stuff when I was a kid, and it just was 
ah, this is it. You know, yeah. I, I never thought like, oh, I'd love this if it wasn't in black and white. A lot of times you'll see stuff, you know, graphite work and you're like, oh, I wish it was in color. Yeah. Which was a painting. His stuff was just like perfect, you know? Well, I think his illusions kind of almost, yeah. yeah transcended the, there, yeah. Black yeah, and white. That's true. Yeah. I, I love him. I still love him. Yeah. I, same here. I think he's probably influenced my art more than anything else. Wow. Um, yeah. But I don't mention him enough either. He's kind of like, yeah, I don't know why, but um, he's, he's probably my biggest influence. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, were you an art kid in school, like the kid that was always drawing and, and that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> the art kid. Every, yeah. every every class has an art kid. Drawing caricatures of our, te- like unflattering caricatures of teachers and yep. principals getting in trouble. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was how I got um, positive attention from my peers, I guess. Yeah, same uh, here. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's kind of like it was a part of my identity. Whenever I don't make art for a period of time, I get really down. Yeah. Even if other things in my life are going really well, it's like it became such a fundamental part of my identity at such a young age. It's like it's like without that, I'm not even me, you know. Right, yeah, I'm nothing. <laughs> just like drifting around like just aimlessly. I know the feeling, man. I feel the same way. It's actually very painful to not do art. yeah. yeah. You did. You posted a piece fairly recently, didn't you? Like a new piece that you've yeah. done. It was really good. Yeah. So I'm getting into painting. Yeah. At the moment. I'm sort of getting somewhere. You know, like I've always wanted to paint, and I've always found color very challenging. So I feel like this piece is probably. I don't know. For me, it's the most successful painting I've done. I'm yeah. not really. I, I'm not very pleased with any of my work ever. I, oh, I really? kind of hate it as soon as it's finished. But um. <laughs> I don't hate this one yet, so that's pretty cool. That's a good sign. Uh, <laughs> but it, it actually got a really amazing response online, and and a lot of people wanted to buy it. And maybe and that maybe that should be the piece that we put on the header card. Maybe, yeah, yeah, because I've, I've <laughs> grown out of the toddlerpeds. But well, um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll sort see. of. I guess I feel like the toddlerpeds became gimmicky. Um, mm. Like it was just this thing, I, and I think you know, like I I've been uh, clean and sober for eight years mm. plus bit over eight years. Um, I realized in my sobriety that I can't make toddler peds. I don't actually enjoy it. Um, <laughs> I, think I have to be off my face to make toddler peds. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. That was a stone thing. Um, yeah. so. <laughs> so how did you, how did you, I mean, how did you get to that point? Cause you know, your, your artwork was, was like, <laughs> You know, you did these sculptures, which were kind of, you know, the toddler peds are like found ob- object sculptures. Yeah. And then you were doing graphite stuff. The graphite and ink, and ink. Uh, drawings were, were always my, my thing. Oh, okay. Then how did you, how did you wind up doing the, the toddler? toddler was, was that just kind of like a fluke? Like I said, it's something I did when I was stoned and, um, and it just, it, like you said, it went viral and it, it you know, it was published in. FHM Bazaar magazine, Maxim all over the world. Oh, really? It's been on TV. It was on TV <laughs> a lot. Um, wow. It, and it, it was like one of those memes. Like, and and the thing is, like, it 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 grew a life of its own back then. Like, it wasn't it wasn't like most people knew who I was, but people knew that image. You know, right. like that was sh- it was shared on all all over the place by. Um, I think I saw 
Kurt Cobain's daughter, yeah, posted on Instagram just recently. And wow. of course there was no mention of any artist. It was just <laughs> her posting a weird image, you know, like, um, that's why you got a watermark, always watermark. Kind of thing <laughs> no, I did that. And people used to crop it off. Oh, like, fuckers. <laughs> fuckers. But the early days I didn't watermark and some of those images are still drifting around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's popped up in association with all kinds of things that I wouldn't want to be associated with either. You know, like um, right. I once saw. Oh, this is beside the point. But I once saw so on uh, one of our news channel, our, our, one of our channels that had one of our most popular news channels in uh, news shows in Australia. Um, it was Four Corners, I think. I can't remember now. It was many years ago. They they were talking about like um these. Facebook groups that were trolling, like uh, grieving mothers. Oh my god! Uh, like dead babies. Oh my uh, like, god! Just like these horrible Facebook groups that were, you know, making dead baby jokes and all this stuff, and they were they were inviting, you know, mothers to look at these things, and their main image on their their profile picture was a toddler peed. Oh my god! Like it didn't mention me, luckily. Yeah. But it like zoomed into this picture of the toddlerpede while I were talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that was that was when I buried the toddlerpede in the backyard. No. Um, <laughs> well, was, I mean, uh, it just I started getting these phone calls and emails, and you know, like, and there's been a few times when they've been like used by different groups in ways that I'm not totally pleased with. And that was the worst. Obviously. Right. Well, that's a, that's a side effect of something going viral. I mean, and, and, yeah. and, and that's, um, you know, you sh- still should be proud of that piece. It's amazing. <laughs> something that resonated I, I, like that. I've never had a piece like, like that. I've never, all the time I've been creating art, I've never had a piece that was like iconic and viral that just went, it's like kind of an amazing big thing. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah, it's. I guess it's. Yeah, I. I, I guess the thing is, my intention with toddlerpeds was never really to shock, um, and it was never meant to be particularly dark. I. I mean, I've made some dark. Yeah, imagery with it's more weird. Before. It's more I bizarre. It was just funny. Yeah, it, was, uh, <laughs> it is funny. You know, like I was just taking the piss, and I think it was. Um, and I thought it was kind of cute too. There right. was just. It was just. I was coming from a different place to where people have taken that, and right. people have. Uh, written all kinds of presumptuous things about the the creator of the toddlerpede, um, <laughs> which is, are not true. You know, right. um, I mean, I I remember that it was in the German FHM magazine, and they were and so uh, I I I never really um, I, there was like a full feature on the toddlerpede, and I never wow read it because I didn't couldn't read it German, but <laughs> I, I a German person read it for me once uh-huh. and they basically said that the creator, John Baynard, should be, uh, keep your children away from this artist uh, and uh, he should be locked up forever. Basically. Oh, my so, God. Something to that effect. And I, I wonder if it was intended as a joke. They said it didn't sound like a joke, but it, maybe it was a very dry joke. Right. It's a weird thing to write about someone in a magazine. No shit. <laughs> Especially when you have no idea who they are or anything about yeah, them. Yeah. Wow, I just, just, it just made sense to me that that dolls should be turned into centipedes. Yeah, (laughs) it seems obvious. It's like part of why it's so amazing. It's like I think you see that piece as an artist, and you think, "Why didn't I think of that? 
why has no one thought of this? This is like the most, you know, it's like sometimes those great ideas are just right in your face, so obvious, and no one's thought of them. You know what I mean? It's well, like, you know, the funny thing is that a few people have, but independently, um, there was a woman who reached out to me. She was quite upset, actually, on Facebook, and she'd be doing these things that looked very similar to Toblopede since oh, the wow. 80s. Oh, wow. And I- seen her stuff before but everyone was attacking her online saying you're, you're ripping off john Boehner. <laughs> oh, shit um but yeah she 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 created the first toddler pig but i i <laughs> you know we just independently came to this same place and and there was another guy who did something like a toddler pig, but it was even better he'd, he'd like sculpted and cast the thing you know he, he really made you know it wasn't an assemblage piece but right. um again because my thing was better known uh people kind of started jumping on him and saying you're ripping off this artist <laughs> but it's just like i don't know that's what the internet's like these days it's like anyone who's kind of independently sort of coming to the same idea if if someone's got the bigger online platform yeah. then, then everyone else jumps on them it's like yeah it's vicious. it is yeah. vicious it's a vicious place it's like yeah. the the internet is like like how the world is before we, we, we became civilized, you know, and had yeah. got manners and <laughs> it's, it's just that uh, sense of depersonalization. Like you, there's no sort of human face in front of you with a vulnerable expression. So you can just attack right. them until, you know, yeah, it's fucked up. Diminished. Yeah. So anyway, okay. You went through uh, school, you were the art kid. Did you go to art college or anything like that? No, no, I'm just, um, I'm just kind of self-starter. Yeah. Yeah. Self-taught, I guess. But I, I mean, I guess I, I'm not totally self-taught in the, in the sense that I, I've got a lot of very talented, uh, artist peers who have taught me things over the years. Uh, Carl Person was a good friend or is a good friend. Um, he's amazing. He's amazing. He taught me a lot about painting and definitely Bo White has taught me loads about painting hmm, um, i don't know him yeah he's great uh you should interview him actually he's really be great yeah 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 i'm a huge fan of carl's work i, I don't see it enough yeah um yeah. but yeah I'll, I'll check out Bo. so White. i don't know i guess you know it's hard to say if you you know self-taught in an institutional sense but um you know I guess the fact that I've been, I've surrounded my bit by being, by creating this uh, art collective online, I've surrounded myself by these people who are better than I am in right. all mediums for so long. And, and I've, and bits and pieces have rubbed off and, and some, and I've even had some sort of informal lessons here and there mm-hmm. with some of them. Yeah. 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 I think, I think uh, developing your eye is one of the most important parts about being a good artist and, you know, developing your eye by seeing a lot of good art is yeah. really important. So, uh, I mean, I, when I started working at Rick Baker's, I remember I've, I've said this before on the podcast, like I was kind of the lead artist at the shop I was working at for 10 years. And then I went over to Rick Baker's and I was not, and I was not like the top guy anymore. And all these guys yeah. around me were like the top guys. And I realized I had really gotten, stuck in a rut and I wasn't improving at this other place. And as soon Mm. as I started working with those guys, I like my ability, you know, 
went through yeah. the roof just from being around them and asking questions yeah. and seeing how they did things and just being around good art is is <clears throat> so important which is you know one of the reasons i always tell young artists you gotta you know go look at the classics and the old yeah. masters and all the stuff that's kind of been tr- proven to be great artwork because a lot of you know there's a lot of new stuff that comes out that's yeah. maybe kind of missing the mark and if you're not really sure what what a great piece of art is you might become influenced by something that's eh, you know, and that kind of sets you, knocks you off course a bit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think um, people who uh, have, I think it's important as well. I guess it comes, it ties into what you're saying is to maintain a certain level of self criticism and yeah, for sure. You know, as long as it's not out of control and uh, self too self deprecative and kind of right. stifling, um, it's. I think it's good to to critique your work and l- look to other artists who are doing something even better than you yeah. uh, currently to do. Cause yeah, we just improve that way. And I think there's, I've seen certain artists who are quite good stagnate because they're too impressed with themselves. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it happens. That's why it's, it's, and they're just like, okay, this is, this is where this is, this is perfect now. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't need any more improvement. Yeah. Yeah. Now that uh, that it always lights a fire under my butt when I see a young, especially a young artist come that comes out and is doing really good mm-hmm. work. Like I'm always raving about Dos Diablos because I'm a oh, huge fan of his, and and he really um, <clears throat> he really had an influence on me. I was like, wow, this guy's kind of you know coming out of nowhere, fully formed. It seemed you know with this work that's really strong, and it actually. Uh, I sent him some pictures and I'm like, look, dude, here's, here's your influence fr- from the paintings for the show I'm doing for your gallery. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's like, that, that's, I try, I was kind of inspired by him to get weirder, you know, yeah. like the last show I had, it was the, like a, he's like a psychedelic kind of chet song. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I love it. I love it. I love, I love that, that, uh, it's just so surreal. And it's like, There's I almost I, elements of, uh, Christian Van Minen in there, and mm-hmm. it's just all beautiful. This beautiful combination of visceral kind of bubbly flesh and I yeah, don't know, awesome. yeah. And his his technique is great too. I like it's they, yeah. they're kind of look kind of ala prima for the most part, but yeah, uh, he's he's genius. Just they look really quick, don't they? Like I know. His, yeah, they look yeah. effortless, but that's you know usually when someone's really good, they make it look effortless. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's he's in. Uh, I just should. Uh, this is a good segue to your solo show, which yeah. is opening at our gallery in I don't know five weeks. I think is that right? I don't know. Uh, it can't be. It's an August. Is it? Wait a minute. I have Where to ship I? at the end of. I have to ship by June twenty eighth. Okay, I, know so that I don't much. want to freak you out. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably saying the wrong thing. I, it opens on July thirteenth. I thought it was in August. No. Okay, July thirteenth. That's enough time if I ship out on June twenty eighth because you, you gave. Oh me yeah. A, okay. Hey, it's yeah. That's, I thought it June was August. You've got to, that's give, leads leaves two weeks for shipping. I mean, realistically, okay. your work will probably arrive way before two weeks. But the thing is, uh, we, we've got to be careful with the customs and all that. Yeah, just yeah. Because there'd be yeah, don't don't freak out. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not freaking out. I, my my only deadline is June 28th. Getting those yeah, out the door by June 28th. So that's that's why we said that. But yeah, it opens on July 13th. Okay, 
That's um, good. I thought it was and, uninstalled. Uh, <laughs> so what I normally do is I, I, I have a, a dark art group show every year um, and I usually have like a kind of a, I guess, a key figure in the movement. Like last year I had um, a solo show for David Stupakis during our dark art show. Oh, cool. So we've got two rooms, you right. know, um, so one room I'd have, I'll have your, this year I'll have your solo and in the other room I'll have a group show which is Dark Art 2019 so you can see like, you know, next year's Dark Art 2020. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, who's, who's, in, who's in the show? Who's in the group show? So not 100% confirmed with this one but it looks like we've got Chris Mars. Um, oh, wow. Emil Melmoth is Excellent. in it. Ronit Baranga who... Uh, you know how she does the 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 Grave Watcher Demon Babies. What's her name? Ronit Baranga. She's from oh yeah 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 yeah. I do. Yeah. So yeah. you know her yeah. the Grave Watcher Babies. Yeah. yeah, she's doing some of those. Johnson Sang has a kind of a, a dark piece. He's he's doing he's the the ceramicist who does a lot of those weird baby kind of. Oh yeah stuff. yeah cool cool. Yeah, but this isn't a baby. It's sort of more of a darker sort of theme piece. Uh, Alan Williams, David Stupakis, Olga Esther, Dos Diablos is doing two pieces. Excellent. Christopher Ulrich is doing a really large piece. Uh, it's something <laughs> Isn't that all he does? <laughs> yeah. Doesn't he only do really large pieces? I'm True, always giving him shit about that. I've got a few small ones behind me, actually. Yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> I forced him to do those. Um, <laughs> I, know, I think he's getting so sick of everybody telling him to paint smaller. <laughs> it's a piece he did. He started in Australia when he was here ages ago, and it's just this masterpiece that never got finished. So oh, actually, you, you shipped the I canvas shipped back, back to him, him yeah. to finish it, so so that we can show it finally. It's That's so cool. Amazing. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Sam Young, Adipasia, Paul Nabera, Costa Magarakis, Naota Hattori, Sean Naota's Tan. Great. Abigail Goldman. She does these little kind of dioramas, which are like murder scenes. Oh, man. I love dioramas. I want to do dioramas for so long. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, Bo White, Carl Person, Anya Tomika, Jai Raphael, who's a local tattooist who's really talented. Oh, cool. um, Alessandro Boesio. He's, he's amazing. Um, we've never shown him before. There's quite a few of these people we haven't shown before. Excellent. Um, Ben Howe, Nick Sheehy, Dave LaBelle, Jeremy Hush. Oh, Baptiste, Jeremy Hush is um, great. Herzog, I can't actually pronounce his name, but it's his work is amazing. Uh, Claire Toms, uh, Isabel Peppard, Jonathan Payne, Fernand O'Dang, Tim Malloy, Jeff Christensen, Lucifer Aurelis, uh, Jonathan Guffman, and I'm hoping to do a little piece. Oh, you we'll got see. to. You got to. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds kind of an amazing lineup. You know, that that that's one thing I love about um, your gallery and the, the, the Surreal Collective, just your, um, I guess, your your taste in art. Uh, hmm. You you uh, You always find these, uh, you know, like half those artists I'd never heard of. And it's like mm. your shows are always the, the pieces are always amazing. And so you're, you're constantly, at least maybe to an American, you're bringing uh, new artists to the, you know, American consciousness, so to speak, you know, because yeah. it's really uh, kind of kind of one of your little 
niches in the art world is that you're, you know, showing these artists that maybe aren't widely known in the United States. I feel like it's, um, you know, it's always important to have a few bigger names in the mix, but I think for me, um, you know, the quality of the work and the, the imagination is, is really super important. Mm -hmm. And when someone who's relatively unknown is doing incredible work, I want to, I want to show them. Right. Yeah. That's the half the the fun. uh, I want to show them in the context of people who I think should be their peers, you know, people who are maybe more established or. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. It sounds like it's going to be a pretty great show. I am, uh, I have to get you information today too. I have to give you the write up, the show write up and a few pictures. And I do have, yeah. you know, it might be late tonight. I'll get it to you. But um, yeah. I, I, I have. I started promoting the dark art show. And in that press release, it actually mentions your show, but I'll, I'll link it all up. And I've, sort g- of, yeah. I've got a good, um, you know, I, I started writing it before we were talking and, and it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting. It's good. I, I've got a good kind of solid concept and. Um, We've got a really great writer that works for us as well. So if everything's not fully polished, we can, oh, you know, cool. I mean, yeah. we get some of, our, some of our artists, especially our artists who aren't, you know, as confident with English. I'm not saying I'm, you're very confident with English. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> we've got, we've got some artists, all, all kinds of artists who don't like to write or for whatever reason, um, right. you know, sending us dot points and we kind of, you know, turn it into, you know, thread it together and turn it into a press release. Yeah. That's cool. So, cool. Whatever you want. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, what's cool is that, um, uh, it's, it's, you know, I'm doing this dystopia book. Do you know about that book? It's like, I do. Yeah. The, I hear you talk about it a lot. I know it's <laughs> the, the bane of my existence. Um, I know. I, I hope that after this show, you can dedicate some solid yeah. time to it and get it. I feel like you'd be so much freer and happier. Oh, it's going to change my life. Yeah. It's going to change it's like my you, life. You talked about, it's like one of those pressures hanging over yeah. your head. Just, I, 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 you I, know, I, forward to it being out in the world and not on top of your head. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's the, it's the, um, the Kickstarter backers. I'm so grateful that yeah. they haven't been giving me a hard time. And, and it's like, there, there was a point yeah, I, there, I was sweating it. I, I, I talk about this before. I was just like losing sleep. It was really a bad thing. And I, you know, I think I did an up posted an update and people were just being like, take your time. It's totally cool. Once, once I started seeing that people were trusted me and were okay with it and not thinking that I was some kind of scammer, it just like took a lot of the pressure off, but I don't mm. have anything. Um, I don't have any more I shows for the rest of the year, pretty much. I mean, I have commission work and stuff, but I'm, the book is the number one priority as soon as, as soon as that, right after June 28th. I'm going to get yeah, back cool. on it. So. I think um, you'll, I don't know, you know, when you just have one of those projects that sort of weighs on you for a period of time that you just you know it can be really it can affect all all different parts of your life yeah yeah yeah. anyway the point i was bringing up was be because i um uh, i'm doing the show for you uh, yeah and the and and the reason i'm you know i was i'm doing the show for you as is uh you know the the biggest reason for me was because i was so appreciative that you guys published my book. So I, I really, 
I really feel like I owe you one because that that book is so important to me. So I, you know, I, I, I've been meaning to do it for so, you know, years now, but uh, the cool thing that came out of it was it, it it opened up a new category of beings in dystopia, which is so cool Yeah, because that's, yeah, Yeah. it's, it's so much fun for me because, you know, I, I have this vision of the reality I paint, but there's still thousands of different characters and classes, which is why I'm calling the book volume one, because it's, I think this will be an ongoing kind of thing. So every time I paint for a show, it's, it's like, Oh, I can add a new little canon to the, or a little subculture into this, uh, canon of, of, of mine. So, um, yeah. And these, yeah, the administrators and they're kind of like, bureaucrats of dystopia and uh <laughs> and they and, live in this kind of like subterranean kind yeah, of under, under, area with all of these pipes pipes and, and yeah like kind of like a a, a boiler room kind of thing but yeah. yeah you know the thing that i i was i was um uh, just to, i just want to talk a little bit about about the show and then we can go on to i, I want to talk about your gallery and everything else but um <laughs> yeah sure the the you know what got me started on that was I was th- I I couldn't think of a uh, of what to paint. You know, I was like, what am I going to do for this show? Um, I sort of had specs as far as size, and so I kind of knew basically what I was doing. You kind of wanted the oval paintings with the the frames and stuff because those are oh, cool. And uh, and I got a cool that cool. I'm gonna the frames are gonna be painted really cool. But um, I was thinking, okay, uh, this is my first show in Australia you know, solo show. And I started thinking, you know, I have like a, a, there's a lot of tool fans in Australia. Tool has like a huge following in Australia and a lot of fans. I have a lot of fans in Australia as well. And I Mm. started thinking, um, kind of thinking back of when I used to work with them and the, Mm -hmm. and sort of the aesthetic I started out painting and it was kind of influenced by them. We were sort of influencing each other back in the day, you know, we were both influenced by like the Quay brothers and Bekshinsky and that sort of thing. And I started thinking, you know, I I love that aesthetic and I've kind of moved away from it. And so Mm. I started thinking, you know, it might be kind of cool to, to go back to that aesthetic and explore it using all the techniques I know now you know, to, to really paint it well. And so that's, you know, if you, if you think about it and you look at those things, they're kind of like, I can say that. Yeah. It's like the rusty pipes. I used to do the stuff I did, animation stuff I did for tool back in the day. And that's when I first fell in love with your work when you were doing that stuff. So that's like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) Our gallery. Yeah. 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 It kind of, it kind of works out in a, in a cosmic kind of way, but you know, a lot of the, the animations I was doing for them way back when, for their live shows, there, there's, you know, references. These paintings are kind of definitely uh, similar. Like I've, yeah. you know, just like a lot of rust textures and the 3D work I was doing and the grime and the pipes and stuff. So it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, yeah. go, I feel like I'm going back to my roots a little bit with these guys. And I also wanted to get weirder because I, I was telling you with the Dos Diablos influence, it's like, I want to get more surreal and, yeah, you know, well, that's definitely appropriate for our gallery. Yeah, too. yeah. I think we have a we have a lot of you know followers and collectors who are in the very much into the weird stuff. Yeah, you know? that well, that, that's <laughs> that's a a good um, good time to to bring this up. Is the the thing about your gallery is that you really 
you have a, a unique aesthetic with the artists you pick. Like you're very specific. Like I've, I've even recommended certain artists to you and you're like, it doesn't really fit in with my aesthetic. And you explain it to me. And I'm like, Oh yeah, it's obvious. I should have kind of thought of that. Mm-hmm. I was just sort of thinking they were in the dark scene and yeah, whatever, yeah. but you know what I'm talking about, but <clears throat> you, you have a, it's your stuff is, you know, you're not just showing anybody. You're not even just showing anybody who's good. You're showing like, a, a very specific mm. type of artist. I feel like I've, it's what we've shown has kind of grown a little bit larger than that, than when we first started, mm-hmm. uh, just cause that's the nature of, yeah, you know, running a business and um, right, right. my, my vision had to, had to grow yeah, a you little bit. You can't and, afford and to, to be too snobby market <laughs> as well. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. But but definitely, I would say the the vast majority of what we show still fits with that. Um, and I think that there's, I guess, there's a few different elements. It's really hard to define. Yeah, I know. I wanted to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you though what you know what you look for because I mean I could <laughs> I could I have an idea of what they seem the th- connecting threads seem like to me, but I was curious what I grabs guess, you. There's two. I mean, I love highly technical work um really sort of r- really polished sort of artwork you know um mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that it doesn't include any any looseness it doesn't have to be kind of you know so so polished it's it's stagnant you know it's um but just technical people, ability technical ability is super important to me yeah um and imagination is is very important um you know i mean i used to use the word surreal a lot but i i don't use that anymore because over the years a lot of people have sort of said you know this isn't surrealism because right. it doesn't fit with the surrealist manifesto or whatever but i mean <laughs> that was a good american accent you just did <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, said no, an american, american for a second <laughs> No, Australians told me that too, but, um, <laughs> and Europeans. Uh, but I mean, the thing is that surreal, I, I guess, belongs to a historical movement. And right. I mean, we, right. is it in the sense of pop surrealism now? I think um, it means something differently to the public at large than it actually did when it, cause yeah. when you, when you read the surrealist manifesto, it's very specific. It's like, they, yeah, they specifically, yeah. you have to do and these certain think things. Dali was a true surrealist. So, you know, I right. Mean, right. <laughs> kind of redefine surrealism for the masses but the thing is i always use the the term surreal very loosely as a descriptive term not necessarily in association with the surrealist movement yeah right but i i've i've i don't use that word at all anymore except face to face with people who are saying so what's all this about i will use it then but i won't I never write. It's not written on our website. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, It's kind of like the dark art term in a way. It's like one of those things you say it and people know exactly what you're talking about, even though it might not necessarily be the perfect descriptor of, you know, what you're talking about. Exactly. And, and I think, um, I don't like to, I don't want to use any words that will polarize so much that they turn off a potential audience or, or a collector from a work that they might otherwise love as well. Right. Right. You know, they might be like, oh, I don't like surrealism. I'm not going to look at that gallery. Right, right. I mean, (laughs) uh, we probably show a lot of work that they would like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing that you, uh, I think one of the common threads is the stuff's very figurative. Oh, yeah. It's not, you you guys don't show abstract art or anything like that. 
representational no. artwork. Right? I've got a sentence on my website that actually kind of sums up exactly what we show. Oh, good. I feel like I never managed to. It's a wordy. Um, <laughs> That's wanted right. to get it. I wanted to chisel the sentence down, but I couldn't do it. It's just like, <laughs> I mean, it just says basically, Baynard Gallery is a curated space for highly skilled figurative artists with a shared fascination for strange and imaginative themes. That's kind of that's perfect. It. Yeah, that's that's basically how <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty perfect. Yeah, I mean, I, it says I, it all. <laughs> people always want to define things more rigidly, and I I just can't. I just um, I I want I want a little bit of flexibility in there. There's there are people that we show who are like almost like straight hyper realists, but their mm. themes are very quirky. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. Like they don't have to sort of paint more unconsciously like someone like you or, or Dos Diablos, you know, they, they, um, they might, you know, seek out their, you know, their reference material quite meticulously and stage it. But the, the actual, you know, ideas that they're portraying, the, the, the way they're sort of posing their subjects and is, is still kind of this, there's, there's, there's some kind of otherworldly or, or quirky or bizarre kind of context. You right, know? And right. I feel like that fits in with what I'm showing, what what I'm doing with my gallery as well. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting so because... That would definitely never be called surrealism, you know, because for, that's... Exactly. The antithesis of surrealism, really. Yeah. It. It's funny, too, when you, you know, uh, the, the fantasy art word came up when we were talking about the Spectrum books, and yeah. you're not really... You, it's... There's, there's, you know, where fantasy art and the kind of work specifically that you show actually has a lot in common in the technical aspects, but it's really the subject matter that makes all the difference because you don't really show any fantasy fantasy artists do you? Uh, unfortunately, fantasy. I, I I love a lot of fantasy art, but it's used as a derogatory term. um, Right. when talking about the kind of work that like if, if people aren't into what we show is people like, I, I don't like fantasy art, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Which is, so I try and create <laughs> as much of a separation as possible so that I'm not sort of, um, we're not sort of seen as, as being, I guess, a, a genre art form in that sense, you know, right. um, like if anyone's um, painting, you know, dragons or fairies or, any of these kind of typical creatures, I I generally would would prefer not to show that kind of thing. I guess um, right. unless it's their own, like it's such a a unique looking dragon that it right. doesn't look like a dragon. I don't want to show it. To right? <laughs> <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, yeah, uh, totally, totally. I want people to create their own creatures. I want to I want to see. I don't know. I always found always found. Uh, yeah. I kind of feel, I mean, from a personal perspective, I kind of feel like um, when an artist is sticking to a pre-created kind of creature too much, it's almost like it's, it's, it's restricting. I want to see right. what they, they would naturally, I want to see their, them add to that, you know, I yeah. want to see where they would naturally, I want to see them create their own mythology like what you've done. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the... Uh, um, that that's kind of the the bummer of it all though because on some psychological level artwork is more likely to sell i found 
when it is a recognizable thing mm. someone's paintings if it's a creature that people know about like in, in mythology or if it's like something from a movie man if you want to sell something as an artist out there paint something from a popular movie and it'll sell because yeah. <laughs> it's like and it drives me kind of insane because i mean i do i do the um every once in a while usually around halloween i do these little monster studies because they're fun and mm. people like them and i do just yeah. just stills from horror movies it's like good yeah. practice and, and fun to do um but at the same time it's like it's like I'm slaving to make these new unusual creatures that have never been seen yeah. before. And everybody just wants to buy the, you know, the game of Thrones painting or the famous yeah. universal yeah. monster painting. And it's like, I get why people do it though, because I like that stuff too. You know, I am, mm. uh, you know, when I see a, a painting of a horror movie, I like, and it's painted well, I totally dig it. I could see, you know, I've bought paintings like that, you know, so I, I get it, but it's frustrating. Those pieces, those, I think you kind of making these studies of iconic horror characters is, it makes a lot of sense marketing wise and, and, and all that. And it doesn't denigrate the rest of your work in any way. I don't think that's it just sort of, you know, yeah. you live in a commercial world. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, um, but I'm so I'm so glad that you have your own mythology as well. You know, I mean, that's that's where my heart is. You know, that's that's, that's where my my heart is with your mythology too. Right. But I, <laughs> Good. I just, uh, I just think that's important. That's important to me as a as a curator, as a collector, because I collect art too, and as a as an art lover and as an artist. So all right. those things. I want people to make their own things. Yeah, that's the fun of it to me is yeah. seeing it and creating it in in my mind. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, you you've got probably got some pretty amazing pieces in your collection, right? I, I I consciously didn't collect for three about almost three years while we, well, probably three years while we were establishing the gallery because I didn't mm. want to you know fuck it up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get like find our financial footing before I started to figure out how much I could actually spend on art right. without completely screwing yeah. our business. Um, so, um, and I'm really, I've got a lot of control. Um, I have to have a lot of self-control and, and only spend a certain amount of money on original art. Right. So I, I save and I, I, I don't buy everything I like. I buy only the things that I are completely in love with. I, I just, yeah, at this stage, I, ca I can't afford to do that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I've definitely bought some things and I'm, I'm saving some, for some things, like I, I'm saving for like, you know, shows in, in many months that we've got, you know, um, right. for our, in our gallery. Um, cause I love that particular artist. Right. Yeah. So it's, I, I battle with myself every single month. There's, I there's like <laughs> 10 pieces I want and often I get none. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time I imagine. And then, and then, uh, uh because I'm saving for something else. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, I did that. Maybe yeah, I was thinking, you know, maybe the maybe the card we should use for the the for the promo would be that portrait I did of you because I did that pretty funny portrait of you. Yeah, yeah, I'll <laughs> that, that. that's in, that's in, on my wall. And for for people for people who don't know, John has like a, a natural talent that he with his 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 he can put his whole hand in his mouth. And he could stretch his lips really wide, and so he had me do. I this. haven't done that for years, though. But, um, <laughs> he had me. He had me do this portrait where he had his 
fingers in his mouth and he's stretching his mouth out really wide. It was pretty hilarious. Actually, I used to get my fist stuck in my mouth, my jaw when I did the. Yeah, I decided not to do that at some point. Are you serious? You got it stuck? Oh, it's it's sort of like no. You get kind of this kind of like if you push it too hard, you can get this kind of strain in your jaw. So I just I don't even try that one anymore. But I can. I don't blame you. I'd happily stretch my my lips for any 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 um anyone who wants to see that yeah that doesn't, that doesn't hurt okay do, do it right now so i can get a screen grab of it can i can you oh, let, I don't know. come okay. on hold on wait a minute let me wait 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 a minute wait 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 i'm not ready <laughs> shit hold on how do you do it it's uh this is very unprofessional okay i know no it. no it's it's uh oh, i'm like a gallerist now not a how come I, how do you do the screen capture i'm totally blanking out Oh, I got it. I got it. Okay. There you go. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. I'm not sure how I feel about that. (laughs) You you can, you can, (laughs) it's pretty funny. You can think about it. We don't have to post it. It would only be for, you know, Patreon people if I post that. Yeah, I guess that's okay. Yeah, I'm okay with that. As long as it's not, like, viewable by the public. No, no, no. It won't be viewable. I'm like a real person now. I don't do shit like that. You know, professional and shit. (laughs) Do you you wear, like, uh, do you dress up for your openings and all that? Oh, a little bit. Yeah? Yeah. Only because Corinne tells me what I should wear. Yeah, that's smart. That's smart. (laughs) (laughs) That's smart business right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the thing is, you. I mean, before I was kind of like, you know, all these things that we've mentioned before, but now I'm like a business owner, and yeah. I, I guess our our people are very non-judgmental, and you know, cool with all kinds of eccentricities. And I guess I'm still, I'm still me. I'm still eccentric, but um, there's certain standards uh, that I guess. Uh, a wealthy collector might expect right yeah it's when, just yeah when <laughs> handing over a certain amount of money for an artwork you know you you just and i don't always meet those standards but i i try yeah yeah no <laughs> it's when you're uh when it's a business and it's you know whether you're going to eat or not depends on okay. whether you have some good sales you can't really be fucking around with that to make some kind yeah. of statement that was important to you when you're 16 years old and <laughs> that's yeah. a, for me it was like you know, when you're a kid, you're like, I'm going to dress how I want. People are not going to judge me how I look. Yeah. And I'm going to make a point here. That in me. Oh, yeah. I, I do. <laughs> you should, you know. Like, you fuck t- you. I'm not going to wear shoes in the gallery. <laughs> that's, that's what I mean. <laughs> I, I, I'm like that now, though, because it's one of the few. You can do that because you're an artist. Yeah, it's one of the few perks of being an artist is you could dress like a bum and, and people just think, oh, he's an artist. Let's <laughs> so get if away with it. you're trying to sell other people's art as well, you might. You yeah, might it would be. That. Seriously, it'd be a different story. Although Billy Shy still wears a um, a singlet or wife beater, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. He didn't do that. But um, I don't know. He got away with it. That's true. He's the only one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Gary doesn't dress really fancy, really either. Now that that's I think true. about it, yeah. but I um, think uh, the art collecting public in Australia is generally a bit more conservative. Um, yeah. You, you in, you're in LA, and yeah. there's all kinds of eccentric hollywood types who have lots of money um here people with money are usually lawyers and doctors yeah that's what i was gonna like weird art but they um they're not as eccentric as your right you know i wanted to ask over there i wanted to ask you about that your clientele i mean what's it like in australia uh what kind of people 
buy from you? Is it younger people? Is it is it older people? Is it all we kinds do have of a lot of artists who who do payment plans actually? Uh, oh yeah, and, you got and... art money, right? Yeah, we, we don't do a lot of that, but we do have art. People money, should yeah. do it. People should do it. The art money thing. I keep telling people, Copro has art money. Yeah. Bain Art's got art money. It's like you get the artwork right up front after the show's done, and then you just—it's like a credit card payment. It's—it's it's, mm. and it's—it's it's a totally a great yeah. service. Yeah, and you you pay ten months uh, interest free. Uh, right. But, I mean, the thing is, I think a lot of people don't still don't like to do that for some reason, but they do payment plans, and we're pretty flexible with that. And as soon as we've received you know the equivalent of the artist cut will pay the artist and then right the rest of the debts to us so that you know we just like to get our artists paid up basically yeah that's that's um, a that's a big i don't like to have other people's money in my account you know that's a big deal <laughs> yeah no that's a bit that's a big that's an important thing that can sink a gallery in no time when you're when you're uh not paying your artists on time especially with social right. media man people are will start bitching immediately that- and then you'll have a mob after you yeah, well, I've seen a lot of that, um, and I think um, you know, even while some of the, some some galleries who have found themselves in situations like that might have good intentions, um, right? I know they kind of mess things up, whereas others are just criminal. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, there was the there was one like the big one of the bigger ones was an Australian gallery. Yeah. I don't want to say the name. Yeah, but, there but, were some artists who it's taken some convincing to get them to show in Australia. Really? Since then, yeah, that sucks. Been man. ripped off, yeah. But I mean, I, th- I think I, I think it wasn't so hard for me because I've got long-standing friendships based on trust with a lot of artists in our scene, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So they did. They 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 knew I was going to be. I wasn't going to rip them off. I guess right. um, they, you know, like our our. Our connection is uh, my connection with a lot of the artists that we show is is not just business. It's like you know we've right. been communicating for ten plus years. It's, we all came it's, up together, kind of. You know, yeah, yeah. So know. Uh, there's some trust there. Um, and if they ask their peers, if they don't know me, if they ask their peers, they usually get some positive kind of yeah. He's okay. He's a bit of a weirdo, but right. he's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so or maybe I'm, something. Than that, hopefully. Um, <laughs> what, what, what? So back to your your collectors in Australia. Um, oh, okay, do, do you yeah. do you do a lot of sales like walk-in people in person, or are you doing a lot of internet sales, or both now? Um, yeah. I definitely. I mean, the thing is, the internet sales is the way the art world works now. Um, I know. And even our local collectors, like you know, so and so lives like two blocks away, buys. Our the art from our website oh, really? um, unseen. <laughs> wow, because they couldn't be bothered walking to the gallery. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that's about. But um, that's funny. But that happens a lot. Yeah, um, and also there's a sense of urgency because I mean we have you know we have our VIP collectors list who sees the the artwork first, and then our general collectors list, or not not collectors, probably our, our general preview list. We've got these all these lists who see yeah. the previews first. So if you wait, you might miss out on your piece that you want. Um, although we, we do, you know, if someone wants to drop by and see the work in person before buying, uh, we'll, we'll open up for them and I'll, you know, I'll tentatively reserve the piece Oh, and not smart. sell it from under them, you know, like, but people like, or get a bit frantic, I guess. Right. <laughs> Just, like, I want it now. <laughs> and, and I think the thing is they know, um, 
they've seen originals by that particular artist before or, or they just love that artist so much they know that the work's going to be quality right. and it's almost always better in person anyway. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely. But, um, yeah, people are quite confident about buying online. So confident that people in our neighborhood buy online. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, um, yeah. Well, I mean, how, how is – how has the experience of opening a gallery been? I mean, we, I've talked about it. We've talked about, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. Mm. I've talked about it a lot. You know, I'm, I've always been very pro gallery and, um, mm. uh, cause I know how yeah. hard it is to do and how hard it is There's to make money. Gallery sentiment out there at the moment. Yeah. With, uh, yeah. People becoming independent on social media. Right. Is, people, um, even the, the, you know, the 50% thing people are still really down <laughs> on, but I don't think you, um, you know, you, you, until you've done it and worked with the gallery that you that a good gallery. A lot of artists will work with shitty galleries, and then they think all galleries are like that, and it's just not yeah. the case. You know, um, yeah. So I, I, uh, it's a hard job, right? I mean, <laughs> it's really yeah, yeah. A lot. And you're probably working. are outrageous. Like it's, uh, you just, you know, I mean, commercial rent these days as well. Oh just, yeah, just paying for a space is insane but um well it is in melbourne and i'm sure it is in la oh um, yeah it's crazy and and most parts of the world um but there's insurance there's there's just a million things and often we you know we don't get the client to pay all of the shipping we just kind of quote them much lower so that that's from our commission too and right staff there's there's a lot of hidden costs that people don't realize i think um so you know being being Listed on Artsy is is quite expensive. All the promotional stuff, it's insane. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, um, also just the amount of work is, uh, it, it's never ending. You know, like you've got to you've got to respond to uh, clients early, um, right? Quickly, or else they go and spend their money elsewhere. You know, like yep. you've just got to, and you've got to, yeah. Customer service is really important, I guess. Yeah. And so you got, you got to uh, respond since the time a lot. Yeah. 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 And you got to respond to every inquiry, inquiry I imagine. And, oh, yeah. you know, people that aren't serious about it, you got to treat them like they're most people aren't serious. Yeah. yeah. That's one thing Gary tells me all the time is like, <laughs> you know, I, I, he'll tell me, yeah, we've gotten a lot of um, emails or calls about these paintings you got. And I get all excited. He's like, yeah, don't, you know, don't get too excited because like, we get yeah. calls and emails all the time about people wanting to buy and they just don't come through. We do too. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we sell, we've been selling really well. Um, so luckily lots of people do go through, but I, I'd probably, I think probably a higher percentage don't. Um, right. Yeah. And you've got to give them the same amount of time. And I mean, there are people who, you know, I'm not, I don't want to whinge about this because I mean, some of these people actually end up buying lots of art of us, but mm -hmm. um, there are people who we, you know, open up on our days off and uh, grab art from storage, unpack it all yeah. to show them. Um, and there are some people who have done that a number of times and have never purchased anything. <laughs> yeah, all right. But you got to do it though. You got to do it. But then one person the other day, I mean, recently started purchasing stuff and we'd been doing that for a few years for him, you know, like, that's so what I'm saying. Yeah. Up just treat these people really well. And, um, you know, um, you know, it, it's hard though. Um, like, cause I've got a, you know, young child and, 
are meant to have a life outside of the gallery. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. Work is, the work is very intrusive it's, and it's constant. Yeah. yeah, right. It's. I'm sure it's like your life is your gallery, I imagine. Everybody yeah. I know who, people I know who have a gallery, it's kind of like their life, basically. It's kind of this crazy version of retail. Like if you've got retail, you, you've got your stock and you've got your, you just turn up to the your shop and you sell the things. Uh, but, you know, you don't, it, with, with the gallery every single month, you completely change. Right your whole shop. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you celebrate it with an opening reception right. and, and promote that. And it's like this mental kind of, it's somewhere between event, uh, you know, running events, yeah, uh, having retail and completely swapping over your inventory at all times and shipping. Like, right. I mean, a lot of international artists, so we have to ship that work back if it doesn't sell after a period of time. Right. And that's on us too, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, Yep. That's, that's our expense. But, um, yeah, yeah so well, it's mental, but I, I, I love it so much. Like, it's just, I, I feel like I told you it's, it, this whole thing was an accident and, um, I feel like I'm just like living a dream, you know, like, like I'm making money doing this thing, sometimes making money doing this thing <laughs> that I am obsessed with. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. It sounds kind of like it's the perfect thing for you, really. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 I I'll, I'll say it again, and I always say it. It's the galleries are doing um, a, a really great service because they are allowing people to see the artwork in person, and that is mm -hmm. I, that can't be overstated how important that is. I don't think I've ever. <clears throat> seen a, that's a really important point yeah I've no, i don't think i've ever seen a picture of one of my paintings that looked as good as the painting in person mm. it always looks think, better in person yeah. there are two services so i mean there are there are some artists um with uh you know big mailing lists and and uh great a huge social media presence who probably don't need a gallery to sell their work but right. then obviously the work never gets seen in person except for by the collector and it goes direct Right, and sometimes those people won't be able to get their price point as high independently as they would be able to with a gallery, you know. Right. Um, but I mean, that's beside the point. I think um, there's one service where, and some artists need the gallery to actually make the sales too. Right. But one service is selling the art and having a list, you know, having a your collector lists and being exposed to different collectors who aren't following you on social media right. or, you know, or, or whatever. Um, but I think one of the biggest services for us and, and something we put quite a bit of, I put a lot of time and, and money and resources into is making sure that lo loads of people turn up to the opening right. and not just the opening to the, to the exhibition. We have really big turnouts um, because I, you know, I put a lot into that and I think that's really important. I think that's, that's one of the services we provide for the artists because most people don't buy art and never right. will. Right. <laughs> I know. I keep telling people, you know, we have the conjoined show, which gets tons mm. of people yeah. and, you know, we don't sell a whole lot of those shows out of all those eyeballs on that work. You want, you want like, yeah, it's all, it's about, you know, it's, it's, it's for the, the fans really. Yeah. You know, it's, it's and really I mean, important. So planting seeds, some of these people might 
get a job one day and totally. buy some art. Who knows? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's, uh, you know, it's the one as much as the internet has changed everything and people, I know a lot of artists that, that don't work through galleries and they make a great living on their own. But mm. the one thing that you, you, um, you can, you can't have without a gallery is a, an opening, seeing the work in person and having like a celebration when a show's done, you yeah. know, that's, that's, that's a, it's an important thing. I think as for artists, especially to give that to your fan base, it's important um, to give yeah. that to them. Just even if they're not going to buy to let them see the work in person, cause they're probably never going to be able to see, see it otherwise, mm. you know? And there are old school collectors who won't buy art unseen. And, and, and I think that those, you know, you won't reach, you won't reach those collect, collectors collections if you, um, if you don't show in a physical space as well. Right. Yeah. I don't, I won't buy art that I haven't seen. I won't like, really? I'm just like I'm, I'm, you know, anally retentive. I want to, I want to examine every millimeter of that thing. Right. <laughs> Especially an expensive piece. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I think that's an important role as well. I don't know. Um, it's, I think it's important. Um, it's, it also, I mean, I think I've heard you mention that before it, it it adds to the perceived prestige of a, of an artist too, you know. I mean, yeah, um, definitely. You know, I know there there are collectors that I've talked to who they want to see that an artist has been showing in a few galleries right. before they put money down because they want to. Yeah, they want to know yeah. they're a long they're they're in it for the long haul because you know some yeah. people some people they want it they want to um some sometimes collectors won't buy a piece of artwork from a new artist because they haven't been proven yet as far as are yeah. they going to keep doing this? Cause I know a lot of artists I started out with during the cannibal flower days that didn't, didn't keep going. They stopped after a while. Cause you know, it's a hard life and not everyone can hang with that. So, and, and yeah. from a collector's point of view, you want to know that you're buying an important artist's work and part of yeah. and being important as an artist is having a long career and that you're going to be relevant. You know, I think something I've heard mentioned in your podcast a few times is that a lot of the people who collect this kind of work aren't investors, right? People love yeah. the work, but even still, like, even though they're not thinking of on selling the work, they want to know that it's not going to depreciate in value. They right. want to know that it's, uh, they want to know that if they were in a tight spot 10 years down the track, that they could sell it for more, right? Or, um, or they, even even if they're never they're never going to sell it, they still want to know it has some actual money. Yeah, value. it gets a lot of money. It's a lot of money to yeah. spend on something that you're not gonna you're not using really. Mm. You know what I mean? Not you're not using practically. So yeah, and I think it's um it's kind of the artist's responsibility to to make sure that their career keeps growing and their prices keep going up. It's it's like yeah. you're, you're taking care of your the pe- when you do that. As an artist, you are taking care of your supporters, your buyers. I think you, you've vouched for the ten to fifteen percent increase every year. Thing. Right, that, ten, yeah, ten, that's ten to twenty yeah. is what I've always heard, oh, okay. heard it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess I twenty I would reserve for certain situations where an artist is just selling like crazy. Right. You know, yeah, um, yeah. Um, generally, but I mean, yeah, that's within the range of what I, I often recommend for sure. Um, yeah. And and it's important. Like I've had artists go, like I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Feeling really nervous about it, even when their sales are just 
crazy and they're doing really right. well. Uh, yeah, and I understand you, that. And the, their practice is unsustainable because they're not making enough money to live. They have to have other jobs. And it's like we need to actually get your price point to a to a, a level where you're actually um, this thing's financially sustainable for you. you yeah, know? right. Because <laughs> it's not at the beginning. It never is. Yeah, no, no. Um, and we also, again, like it's a really valid point that I didn't think about as much before I heard you talk about it. I've thought about it a little bit, but yeah, it's actually uh, paying back the collectors who have purchased your work. If you're increasing the, yeah. the prices, then their work is increasing in value. And you'll find a lot of those people, if they see your price sit at the same point, they might actually stop buying yeah. your work. They, if they see it going up, they, they'll, they'll probably experience some FOMO and be like, oh shit, in five years I won't even be able to afford right. this. I yep. need more. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a, 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 a interesting the whole selling. It's you know most or not. I don't know most. I think a lot of artists, probably most, don't really like to even talk about the sales end of things because mm. it just feels like it cheapens it and it turns it into commodity and this and that. But yeah. I don't know. I've always felt like. If I'm going to be able to survive and do this, I have to play that game, and it's the world yeah. we live in. So, deal with it. You know, <laughs> to get get you have to accept that. I, I, you know, I'd love to live in a perfect world to where nobody needed money and I could just give my art to people that loved it. But that's not yeah. the world we live in. So you got to play this kind of game, and right. um, you know, as long as you play the game fairly. And everyone, you know, you try and you, you try and play the game so to where everybody wins, then it's cool, you know, it's all good. That's the way I see it anyway. But um, that's yeah, a, no. it's uh, it's that's one weird thing about running a gallery. I imagine is you have the sales end of it because that's like <laughs> that's so different than creating artwork. That's like a completely different skill set selling. You know, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think we've, you know, um, gotten better at it. I think, um, you know, it's 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 a balancing act too. About uh, you, you want to, I guess, you know, you want to be super accommodating and um, and and give them, you know, potential buyers enough information, and uh, but you don't want to come on too strong, you know, like right, you yeah. A, a, a used car salesman. Corinne's actually really good at it. Um, oh yeah. I stay out of that a fair bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I do do it. Um, like I, I handle the sales for past inventory and, um, uh, sometimes future inventory, but Corinne does current shows and they're the mental ones. They're the ones where you've got like, if you've got a popular artist, you've got like, 40 people, you know, emailing and calling you on the phone and messaging you on social media every second. It's just like, it's just, you know, and managing these lists of who inquired first. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, we don't put red dots until we've got an, a, a, what's it, a deposit. So, um, yeah, you know, the work still is available online until the money's, there's some money in the bank. Right. Um, unless it's a, a collector who's bought a lot of us and we know that they're, you know, going to pay right uh, sometimes we'll you know do that early but um what am i trying to say i don't even know what i'm saying now uh we're talking about sales and sales yeah uh, that's but like that's really good at, um that's my point you know, though is that the 
it's a different skill set, you know, knowing yeah. not to come on too hard. And it's so, <laughs> so far from creating artwork. It's so totally different, yeah, you know? I think you, you want to, you don't want to be too cut and paste too. You, you kind of want to know, you want to get to know your client, your return clients, especially well enough to be able to have a personalized conversation with them and, right. you know, make it feel special and sort of, you know, we've got like really, really our, our mailing lists, our VIP collectors list is what, what I call it, um, has like, you know, not just their names and their emails, but it shows what they've inquired about in the past and all this oh. stuff. And that information is really important, I think, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you Managing gotta- yeah. You got to be organized, I suppose, which is why I, I would never be able to run a gallery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I, you know, honestly, I have to go and paint for your show. So, oh, no. so, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I, 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 uh, uh, but we've got a good, you know, almost an hour and a half. Um, yeah, cool. I hope that it didn't get too into the, the dry kind of, gallery side of things um no it's great was people that was people need to hear that (laughs) yeah no no i think it's interesting um i i always i ask the questions i would want to hear myself as a listener so um i think it was it was great it was really interesting so i'm I'm always um, interview more gallerists actually because that that would be i mean as an artist myself i'd I'd find that really interesting and and as a a gallerist find that very interesting you know like oh yeah absolutely i've got gary that would be really great for for other artists as well yeah definitely no i got i'm I'm planning on having gary and erica on from copro and jeremy shot from the dark art emporium and bill from hyena so awesome it's, it's gonna happen so but anyway well Thanks for coming on. Is there anything else you want to promote or get out before we wrap it up? Let's see. I don't know. I mean, I guess any any specific information about the gallery can be seen on our website. And, um, you know, we have all our inventory on there. And uh, you can see who's showing. We, I, I pub, I, on our exhibitions page, we can, you can always see who's showing next uh, for at least until the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, what's uh, the website? Uh, Baynart.org. B e i n a r t dot o r g. Cool. And yeah, and we'll have all the info in the in the description as well. I guess something I'd like to add is my name is John Baynart. It's not John Bean. Um. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, that's a great question. We've had the, we've talked about this. I know I've talked about it. I've probably been pronouncing it wrong all this time. I always say Baynart. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. But it's it's Baynart. Baynart. Yeah, but that's probably the accent. You know, like I, if you uh, maybe an American would say Baynart. You know, it's kind of <laughs> <laughs> no Baynart. I could see, no. It's just a way of yeah, yeah. pronouncing it. Baynart. Okay, good to know. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of people think my num- name's John Bean, and and I get mail all the time saying John Bean. But um, the other one was Baynart. I hear a lot. People Bynard, say Barn, yeah. And I used to pronounce it B in art. And I think that confused a lot of people because right. um, it does spell out B in art, but um, it's, that was like just a way to get people to remember it. And it's it kind of, oh, it was just yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Happy coincidence that my name spelled out B in art, but, um, but it's just Baynard. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
and I'm not like some wanker who's added art to the end of their right, name. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm art. a different kind of wanker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, man. That was a great conversation. Um, I, I enjoyed, yeah, cool. enjoyed having you on. And um, everybody who's listening, awesome. uh, you can support the Dark Art Society Patreon by patreon.com slash darkartsociety. And thank you for listening. Please share. Please like. Please subscribe. All the things you can do to help the podcast. Um, and that's it. So thank you, John, for coming on. Yeah, was, um, you're right. I did forget that it was recording. And I told you, good. man. Yeah. I told you it's going to happen. It's a fun time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. And goodbye, everybody. Say goodbye, John. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>